Yo, yo. Welcome to another edition of the Album Nerds Podcast. I'm your co-host. They call me Andy. They do. What do they call you, my friend? They call me dude. Well, they call me a lot of things, but I say dude so often that most people, my wife included, just call me dude. Dude. <laughs> my granddaughter calls me dude. <laughs> That's kind of sweet. My nephews call me dude. Yeah. Yeah. Did you used to be a cowboy in a past life? I... No, I'm way too dainty. <laughs> I couldn't handle that. That's life. true. That's true. <laughs> You're fair skinned, but never last. Oh my god! Yeah, I don't. They <laughs> wouldn't have been able to diagnose skin cancer back then, but that would have been my end for sure. Right, you'd just be one big melanoma. <laughs> <Yeah>. the, <worst>. <laughs> the melanoma <laughs> kid. That would have been my name. <laughs> anyway, uh, welcome to the Elders Podcast, everybody. Um, where we uh, recommend some records for your listening pleasure. We are uh, changing up our format a little bit this week. We're doing uh, two new releases and two what we call old dogs from back in our collections. Mm-hmm. Going to uh, go a little bit more in depth than we usually do. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's the usual plan. Anything uh, got anything new with you, man? Yeah, yeah, well, new stuff for the for the nation. We got some sports starting to come back. Baseball. I watched some baseball last night some spring training baseball with no crowd. And I think they were piping in a little bit of crowd noise. I think they're going to do that. Seriously? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, that's very off. You know, that will mess up people's minds yeah. if you don't hear crowd noise watching games. I'm not sure what they're going to do. And in one of, the, one of the preseason games, I saw cardboard cutouts of people in the front rows. No yes, way, really? Yes, I think some teams are doing that uh, for their season <laughs> ticket holders, like, getting pictures of them and then placing them there it's gonna it's yeah. gonna be weird but we're getting we're getting weird. sports back some hockey's coming basketball in the bubble and looks like football is on the way so as weird as it's gonna be it'll be half normal but we'll have some some live sports to occupy us and give Dude. us things to talk about other than the reasons why it's the stadium is empty <laughs> i hope <laughs> yeah we need something to latch on to and i'm sure people Especially once football gets going, see when that happens in a month or two. Yeah. Oh my gosh, people will be like bleeding football. Oh, well, <laughs> you know, I'm always trying to hold those hemorrhages in all all year round <laughs> with football. So yes, if right. I don't have it, I'll be very sad. I'll understand, but uh, yeah, you know. Well, fingers crossed, man. I hope everybody <laughs> is responsible over the next yep. few months here. We can get some of these things back in order. Yeah. It's been a while. Yes, sir. All right, but what we've had this whole time is the ability to listen to and discover music, and new music's been coming out, which is great. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a pretty steady stream. I, I was a little worried it was going to trail off, but we still got some good stuff here. Um, we want to feature two of those records on the show today. Talk about some uh, some rock and a, and a rap record. Should be exciting. Yes, sir. And then we're going to delve back into our collections here for... Uh, some old favorites. Some Lenny Kravitz. Mm-hmm. Well, let's stop teasing. Let's just get going, man. <laughs> All right, let's just All do right. it. Let's just do it. All right, so I'm going first with uh, a band that I had not heard of before. Uh, they're called The Black Moods. The album is Sunshine, and this track is Bella Donna.
right, so that was The Black Moods. The album is Sunshine, and that song was Belladonna. The Black Moods are a rock band from Tempe, Arizona. You don't hear that too often, do you, Andy? No, I cannot think of one other band. I'm sure there are, but that's a new one on me. Um, So they're living in the heat. Uh, The band consists of Mm. uh, three guys, Josh, Jordan, and Chico. And uh, the this album was produced by Johnny K, and this is their second album. Now, Andy, are you familiar with Johnny K, J- Johnny uh, Karakasis? Finally, you got yeah, a tough name. Yeah, this is your man, kind man. of name. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. What do I know? Well, from, apparently he's got a long list. Disturbed, Three Doors Down, Megadeth, among just some of, there's a ton of other recognizable band names. Yeah, I don't know. I probably don't know him if it's... Um, those types of bands but he's a you know a professional producer that they got on this one they worked on it for a few years um off and on and it's uh it's cool i i i've really been enjoying it that song belladonna was their first single from it i guess it was released a couple years ago and they actually got some radio play got some attention and that was kind of their goal i guess they're a really well-known live band in their area and from what i've heard they are great uh performers so what did you think, kind of listening to the Black Moods? What were your initial impressions? Well, I mean, they picked the right single, that's for yes. sure. Belladonna is definitely the catchiest song on here. It's it's super, super enjoyable. Um, the rest of the record, yeah, it's pretty fun, too. I guess I had a good time with this. I would say it's it's some good jangly rock. There's some like hints of like, there's like some 90s oh, yeah. sounds going on here. A little yeah, bit. for sure. Which is always welcome. It's got 90s rock radio all over it. I mean, I, I hear the gin blossoms yeah. here and there. As, a couple a couple songs towards the beginning, for sure. And the killers. I yeah. even hear that kind of vibe, which was a little later, yeah. you know, more like early 2000s. But it's definitely got a rock alt uh, pop feel to it. But it's also got, like Belladonna there and some others, it has a nice blues rock, dare I say, mm-hmm. rival sons sort of feel to it. I was just waiting for you to reference the Rival Sons here. It's only about uh, eight minutes in, so yeah, right on cue. <laughs> well, I got to mention the Rival Sons because I mean, it's to me there are some clear similarities uh, vocally, in particular. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. And this is the first time I've been able to say that a band sounds a little bit like is inspired by the Rival Sons rather than talking about what the Rival Sons were inspired by because they've, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's true because like they don't sound like Zeppelin no. really at all. I wouldn't compare them. No, but they do hear the Rival Sons reference. So, yeah, yeah, the Rival Sons, like we talked about uh, several shows ago, uh, their own sound is has been crafted, and it's kind of cool to hear a band yeah. have a little bit of that to it. Um, good songs. Sunshine is the uh, opener, and that was a single as well, and that's got that upbeat, really jangly pop rock sort of sound that's a lot of fun um not a lot in the way of slow ballads no it's pretty consistent in terms of pacing i would say throughout the whole record it goes fast too because you're bopping along throughout it and it's just kind of over uh it ends with the song called home which is a ballad and it's a little you know ballady about going home, but it's about the lead singer Josh's uh, young son, who I guess he was skyping with or facetiming with when he was on the road, and didn't you know wanted him to hold on 
and not grow up too fast so he doesn't miss things, you know. But yeah, it's a nice, it's a nice sound. Yeah. But for the most part, it's just fun. So that last track, yep. home there is. Am I remembering correctly? Was there like a hidden part towards the end of that? Yeah. So. You are right, and that also reminds me of the 90s because that was one of my favorite parts on CDs is see if there's a hidden track or something um, at the end. So after Home ends, there's a break of 20 or 30 seconds, and then you hear that uh, kind of beginning of Belladonna, the Belladonna through the kind of filtery, gravelly radio sound. Yeah, so kind of a little nod, I thought, to the album format, listening through the end and getting that little... Just it didn't matter what it was back in those days. If there was something like you know Stone Temple Pilots, yeah, it was like a little surprise, like at the at the bottom of the cereal box yeah, or something. Like, like Stone Temple Pilots at the end of Purple, they had that the yeah. second album, Twelve Gracious Melodies, which was like a lounge song with horns and stuff. It had nothing to do with the rest of the record, but man, was it was yeah, it delightful just... to come across? <laughs> yeah, that's the first time I've heard that in a record, like. In decades, yep. easily. Yeah. Uh, so that was kind of interesting in the note. Um, but yeah, I guess for for me, just sum up a little bit. Like, pretty solid, fun rock record. Like, I don't think people would dislike this. It's uh, it's pretty. I guess maybe safe. I'd but say accessible, enjoyable, accessible. It's just saying the go. same thing, but it sounds it's a little yeah. nicer. <laughs> so if you like. Some nice, accessible, fun, bluesy rock and roll with fun sing-along songs and lyrics. Go check out The Black Moods. The album is Sunshine. All right, for um, my new release selection here, I'm talking about a recent rap record from one of my favorite rap groups going nowadays, uh, Run the Jewels. And they just put out an album titled RTJ4. Surprise, surprise, is their fourth album We are going to play a cut from right in the middle of the record. This is Walking in the Snow. All right, that was a little taste of uh, RTJ4 from Run the Jewels. Run the Jewels, if you're not familiar, been around for a minute or two now. Um, the rap duo made up of LP from uh, the Brooklyn, New York, I believe, and uh, Killer Mike, who comes from uh, the Atlanta area. They kind of take on the moniker, especially on this record, of uh, Yankee and the Brave, which uh, is the opening cut and kind of like a, a bit of a theme throughout this record. I thought it was kind of clever. Got the sports teams from their two cities. Mm-hmm. Did you pick up on that? Yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah. I also thought it might have something yeah. to do with just uh, the history of America and Yankees being colonists americans and the braves being of course the natives yeah the natives so i was looking yeah no i think it works on a couple levels for sure all right so i don't know do you know these guys man lp killer mike i personally know um (laughs) you haven't seen them lately no no we uh we're beefing no i i've listened to run the jewels before at your behest sir 
Oh, we yes. did. I thought this was the first time we talked no, about it. No, it was a long time ago in one of our, I don't know if it was when we were doing the YouTube or way early in the podcast, but oh yeah, we did talk Run the Jewels before. And just like then, yeah. they impressed me. Um, there's more to this than a lot of the stuff that I hear. Well-written, interesting takes and talk about subjects that might be similar to some of what you hear in, in other hip-hop, but they do it in such a way, just like in that the lyrics we were just listening to. It was subtle and talking about, you know, talking about poverty and things, and but like through education and just a little more, uh, unpacked a little bit more instead of just being so surface. And I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, totally, man. I think that's... You know, kind of what's gotten them to the point where they're at now, which I would say they're you know, like among the more successful groups, you know, in the rap game right now. I think uh, it's interesting. This record, though, and even some of the earlier records, but definitely very clear on RTJ4, they've really taken on more of like a almost like a social activist vibe here going on. And I think a large part of that comes from what Killer Mike has been doing in kind of in his own um, just personal life. He's really kind of taken on the activist role, especially in around the Atlanta area, uh, speaking up for, for civil rights and, you know, kind of like minorities and, um, you know, police violence, that type of stuff. Um, so it's, it's interesting to hear them kind of straddling that line between that braggadocious style that you'd expect in hip hop, which is certainly in this record too. But they definitely are taking on the more of that like social consciousness. Like they feel like they almost have to speak on these issues that have become so prevalent in our society, even outside of rap. So yeah, that was, that's pretty cool to hear that. Like, uh, you have a preference listening to this record? Like which type of, I, I, I've always preferred the telling it like it is. I mean, I, I have liked rap and hip hop over the years. It's just been sporadic, and I really used to enjoy Public Enemy. Right, yeah, sure, very political. I was a suburban white kid at a school that was pretty, 2,000 students, and we were mostly white, and I knew nothing about what other people's lives were like, and listening to stuff like Public Enemy told me a little bit about what's happening, you know, right. and, and especially then there was no internet and stuff. I was listening to these things on cassette, but it was, a, it was opened my eyes a little bit and helped me understand a tiny bit of what other people are, what life can be like from other perspectives and races and, and whatnot. And that's what's yeah. important about, I mean, that's what can be important about art. It can be used in that way to, to open a dialogue and to, uh, have conversations, sometimes uncomfortable conversations, and it's more comfortable when you don't have to respond, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you can, it also helps when it has like a really great beat behind it too, and you can kind of bounce around and enjoy it on a surface level, but then maybe subconsciously it's getting under your skin a little bit too. I think this is probably my favorite of the record so far. I've listened to it a ton since it came out, and it feels super timely in terms of what's going on with the Black Lives Matter movement. Supposedly, they recorded a lot of this stuff last year, in 2019, um, or at least wrote it then, um, and then just kind of released it like on a whim, just because of the 
uh, you know, the situation that we're happy with the protests and stuff over the last well, few I, months. Well, I think that it, uh, there's probably a lot of stuff like this in the can for, for, uh, Hip hop artists and you know, folk singers. I mean, who knows? People who've, who have so. written this so. kind of stuff and and um, it's. I mean, th- these these issues have been in the undercurrent for a long time, and now they're they're more in the front lines for now. So I think uh, there's, we're going to see a lot more of this. We'll see. We'll see what else. Yeah. Uh, what else comes up over the next months and years? Musically, but I think we're in for a little bit of a renaissance of honest expression from different groups of people. I mean, you know, like the 60s. I hope so. Um, I hope so, man. There's definitely opportunity for... Protest music, you know? Yeah, yeah. I let your minds be real quick. There's a nice... A few features on this record, which work pretty well. But uh, someone I always enjoy hearing, on, especially on their records, is uh, Zach Delaroche, who has a little feature on here. And man, nobody says protest music better <laughs> than Zach Delaroche to me, man. He just brings such energy and like ferocity well, to, one of my, to his vocals. One of my so. favorite bits of news that have come out over the last couple of months is about Rage Against the Machine and, and the, the, you know, of course, referring to Zach. Yeah. That there, people are just now understanding that the music Rage Against the Machine was protest music, you know, largely about the LA riots and things of the early 90s. And pe- people were just singing <laughs> along to these songs, just thinking they were like party anthems. I'm not sure what people thought was going on, <laughs> but uh, there's been a lot of scuttle about, well, I'm not going to listen to, you know, people saying on Twitter, I'm not going to listen to these guys anymore. I didn't know it was protest music. It's like, duh. <laughs> so, <laughs> the album is called Battle of Los Angeles, man. Come on. <laughs> that's, uh, people hear what they want to hear, crazy. you know? Yeah, I guess so. so. I guess so. All right, one last point on Run the Jewels here before we wrap this up. Um, just one thing that they do that's very unique from my perspective in hip-hop is this sort of like very anthemic last track, which I think they do on pretty much all their records. Usually, it, you know, it builds up to some sort of like big crescendo towards the record, and, and it really, I think it adds a nice flourish and really makes it kind of bookend the record beautifully. And they do it on here with really two tracks, I think, almost fit that bill. Um, a cool track that features uh, maybe Staples. Oh, nice so little, you um, can't go without mentioning dude, Mavis Staples. I love it. You know I love Mavis Staples. I know. So I know. That was cool to see her around here. Um, but really the last track, uh, A Few Words for the Firing Squad, I think just has this like building synth sound. It builds up over like five or six minutes and I think, you know, it really comes to a cool crescendo at the end. And you don't often get that in a hip hop record. It feels so segmented track by track. So I think it's, pretty cool that they kind of put that little extra polish in there and really make it sound like an album i appreciate that yeah man i mean you know it's rap and hip-hop isn't really my main course but you know i'll, I'll check this one out a little yeah. bit more too i i did i did enjoy some of the lyrics so uh, and the way that they're, they're able to communicate so definitely worth a listen even if you're not a big hip-hopster Cool. Yeah, it's definitely a very 2020 record. So that's uh, RTJ4 from Run the Jewels. Check it out. All right. So that was pretty cool. Now it's time. We got to go back in time and find some old friends. That's right. It's time for some old dogs. Old dogs. All right. Stop your barking and start singing about love. This is Lenny Kravitz. The album is Let Love Rule. The track is... Freedom Train. Freedom 
All right, so that was Freedom Train from the Let Love Rule album by Lenny Kravitz, 1989. It's his first album. So Leonard Albert Kravitz was born on May 26, 1964. He's been making records for a while, huh, Andy? Andy? I said Andy. Yeah, so... <laughs> <still>. <laughs> must have me confused with uh, my French person. Andy. Uh, yeah. He's still put out music, right? It's been like a little while, but I think, yeah, he's still active. I think 2018 was the last one. Sounds right. Yeah, so I mean, this is a blend of a lot of genres. There's a little jazz, but it's mostly rock and roll of various sorts and R&B and blues. Um, a lot of Curtis Mayfield influence, Stevie Wonder, Jimi Hendrix, and that's always been what Lenny Kravitz has kind of been handcuffed with is hmm. is that his sound has always been compared to other sounds, which I've always liked. I mean, Lenny himself is a melting pot. He comes from a, a Jewish father who I think was a producer or something and a, a black mother, and she was an actress. She was on the show The Jeffersons. Hmm. Roxy Roker, I think was her name. His music is also a melting pot of all sorts of influences, and... It has this this album in particular as this very hippie, peace, love, dope sort of vibe to it that at the time, in 1989, wasn't really very vogue. <laughs> so, no, yeah. not at all in style at the time, but he uh, he was kind of a rebel. Yeah, oh, and it, and it did well in Europe, and it had some a little bit of, of play here. And his second album from 1991... Uh, Mama said was kind of more of the breakthrough where it had uh, it ain't over till it's over was the big hit off that one. Yeah, a little more radio appeal. Yeah, I mean at the time I remember that's the first time I heard of him. I hadn't heard of him during the '89 Let Love Rule, and I thought it was Terrence Trent Darby at first. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, is that, is that Terrence Trent Darby? And I looked into it and like, nope, that's Lenny Kravitz, whoever mm-hmm. that is. And then when uh, Are You Gonna Go My Way in '93 came out. I was sold and I went back and I bought this one and mama said, and I came to really love this record. It's got, I mean, I, I mentioned a bunch of influences, but the Beatles are a big influence. And I think you can hear that in a lot of the songs. Um, did you pick up on that Andy or am I nuts? I didn't think Beatles to be honest with you, but you're more of a Beatles guy than I am. Yeah. So that's, I, bu- I don't think about it. Uh, I mean like much. I build this garden for us and even let love rule had very, Lenin-y overtones. But that's what a lot of this album is about, is about peace and racial equality. And there's anger, too. Songs like Fear, Mr. Cab Driver, which is about uh, Lenny's trying to get a cab and the guy won't let him in because he's got dreads and he assumes he's a criminal and all that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff. So some of the same touchstones that Lenny Kravitz is still singing about now uh, were things he was in his 20s. Um, yeah, experiencing. <laughs> experiencing and singing about also. But this yeah. is much more analog. He wrote, uh, co-wrote a couple of songs with his wife at the time, Lisa Bonet, wrote all the songs, performed most of the instruments. There was a supporting cast of people, supposedly including Alex Van Halen, the drummer from Van Halen, being the drums huh. on Let Love Rule, but I can't prove that. It's just a little thing I found on the internet. But he plays everything self-produced what do you think about this thing dude i mean just this 25 year old guy or whatever putting this together well it feels like a pretty bold statement 
you know, it's always cool, especially when an artist is fresh like this, where he's just like kind of with that explosion of ideas, you know? Yeah. We could just throw in like kind of everything at the canvas here. So super adventurous. It's a pretty loose vibe to it, which kind of fits with that, that hippie, uh, you know, love and uh, flowers and stuff type of vibe we were talking yep. about. There's a lot of like lyrical freak out moments, you know, where he's just like kind of like scatting almost or just like repeating uh, the yes, refrain a few like, times and just kind of like vibing with it. I like the, the den in in it. The denin in it, a freedom train. Like I like how it sounds like a train clacking along the tracks, but the lyrics leave a bit to be desired. I mean, I love that song, but it's just freedom train, go and dance on the freedom train. Pretty much, that's it. And and that somehow is okay. And normally I wouldn't accept that, but Lenny, <laughs> the exuberance, the uh, love yeah. of music that comes through, kind of excuses it somehow. Because uh, I've played this stuff for friends over the years, and they're like, God, that's so repetitive. I'm like, but it's cool. <laughs> it works. <laughs> you know, I really didn't even think about it until I really sat down to like kind of analyze each song. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, he's really not saying a lot. You know, and some of the songs, and right. so other songs, like Mr. Cab Driver, Rosemary, mm-hmm. uh, Built This Garden. He says a lot, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite a few lyrics. Um, I don't know. He comes off a little bit. Uh, maybe idyllic, a little bit naive, maybe, I guess, in some of these lyrics. I think there was this hopeful idea, and he grew up in a world where white people loved black people, and I think he just had this, and Lisa Bonet, his wife, I think she was kind of got the hippie deal going on, and there were these two feeling like they could change the world with positivity, and that's all people need. And, and Yeah, uh, well, there's a lot to be said for that. That's pretty admirable. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So well, why don't we listen to a bit of another track? We'll listen to uh, I Build This Garden for Us, and then we can kind of wrap things up. But this kind of this one is a little more lyrically full, uh, one of the uh, deeper tracks, a little longer too, like six minutes. So let's check out some I Build This Garden for Us. So yeah, that was, I built this garden for us. And you could hear some of what Andy was talking about, that stretching the vocals, kind of passion and angst about uh, building this garden, this perfect world where there's no racial prejudice and there's no war. And it's kind of got some biblical references throughout this album. And in that song, he quotes the Lord's Prayer. Um, Andy, what'd you think of that aspect? Definitely spiritual. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't love that in general, but I didn't. I didn't pick up on it until you mentioned it to me when we were talking really? offline. See, like uh, it's so uh, like in Ro- the song "Rosemary" when he's saying "Rosemary," he yes, loved I got you that, so he but... gave his only son. I mean, it's pretty, you know, pretty clear. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Even this song, it's not like it's not. He's saying, "I built this garden for us," not like he built this garden for us. It wasn't. It didn't hit me over the head to the point where it bothered me. Like some of the music we talked about. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and, you know, people yes. have pieces of their personality. Sometimes it's spiritual stuff that comes out, and he was passionate. I don't know how he is in that regard now, but in his early albums, there were quite a few 
references to spirituality and God and and things. Uh, also, weed and saying the f word. So, I mean, there was. Then I think that was part of what I liked about him is I knew about having that mix. I mean, I had gone to church as a kid and and I liked to live my life and stuff, but I still had sort of a spiritual undercurrent, and uh, so I kind of mm-hmm. got it you know, from him. So I think that's part of why I connected. All right. So that was Lenny Kravitz, let love rule. It's very broad, diverse, but positive. And I think it's kind of a good record for right now. I, yeah. You know, it speaks to, yeah, to stuff totally. that's going on and uh, I think people will enjoy it. And I don't know how many people really have listened to this whole album. I, I'm sure people are familiar with some of the songs from his greatest hits, but it's uh, it's really cool. So check out Let Love Rule by Leonard Albert Kravitz. Very nice, very nice. Alright, so for our last record of the show here, we're going to be digging into An Old Dog from 2013 by a group entitled Darkside and their record Psychic. We are going to play a cut from the middle of the record. This is entitled Paper Trails. So this is a good record to put on, like, once you get back from, like, the protests and <laughs> making, like, your flower headbands, you know, this is this is good chill-out music to bring you back down and kind of recenter things yeah, a little bit. If, if, if listening to Dracula sing makes you calm down, then yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I want to suck your blood. I want to suck your blood. Uh, that's funny. All right. Uh, so the <laughs> Dracula there is uh, is played by the uh, electronic music composer Nicholas Jar, who is one half of the duo featured on, or the, the duo that is Darkside. The other half is multi-instrumentalist Dave Harrington, who uh, largely plays guitars here, but he does contribute a few other instruments. Yeah, so it's largely an electronic record, but it has like that cool sort of like organic guitar vibe going on as well. So it's an interesting mix, I guess, is kind of what drew me to this record originally back in 2013. So it's that haunting mix of like the minimal kind of house music vibe that Nicholas Jarre is kind of well known for in his own solo material, combined with like elements of dub, R&B, blues, and even some jazz uh, sprinkled in for good measure. Yes, it's it is definitely not as boring as I thought it was going to be, because electronic music, when it comes to whole albums, are is usually yeah. very droney and boring, and the repetitive maybe is a nicer word. Yes, repetitive. Um, <laughs> this was less repetitive than I expected, and. Yes. There was uh, it's obviously got some weird moments, but uh, it held my attention, at least. Glad to hear that. Glad to hear that. They're definitely not traditional songs like we heard kind of at the top of the show with uh, the Black Moods there. But there are moments that are repeated. Uh, there's some choruses established. 
Uh, there's like a few themes perhaps throughout that get explored. So it is a little bit more digestible in that sense. Um, I wouldn't say it's like a dance record by any means. It's much more of like a chill out vibe type record. Do you remember Typo Negative? This rem- The vocals reminded me a little <sighs> bit of the Dracula kind of voice that Pete Steele used to make. Uh, okay. Like Yeah, it's very... It's very gothic, uh, kind of. Yeah, back of the throat mm-hmm. type of thing. Yeah, but it's a, it's a really moody record. It kind of seems to just float by. You know, there's a few tracks that serve more as, like, interludes, um, which I love on an album because it really does play as, like, a whole. There's a couple of larger themes on some of the longer tracks that kind of round out the album nicely. Yeah, I actually drove six hours in one night to go see them perform this when it came out up in up in Toronto. It was uh, it was a killer show. Nice. Yeah, man. So, what's your bottom line? I don't know, folks. You might maybe be curious. I need, maybe about I need this. to hear a little bit more first. Oh yeah. Well, speak of the devil. Why don't we uh, Why don't we play a cut from a little bit further in in the record here? This is uh, Greek Light. That's a little taste of uh, Greek light towards the end of this record, uh, Psychic by Darkside. Uh, a little bit more of an experimental track there, features some of the kind of like sounds that Nicholas is known for, a lot of like static and just sort of like weird atmospheric things. Almost sounds like a, something you'd hear in like a Western there for a minute. Yeah, I, you know, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out like what bands does this sound like that other people might know. The only one I could come back with is uh, Pink Floyd. Did you have any other ideas on like what, like if you like this band, you might like this record? Other than the kind of Dracula voice thing, no. I mean, it's just creepy um, in parts, and that's it's hard to put your finger on. It's more of a feeling than a than a than a sound where I could compare it to anybody. Yeah, it's it's pretty unique and definitely sets a vibe. So if you're looking for a record that kind of maybe the late nights, you know, creepy. Dracula oh, that's perfect vibe. for right before bed. How about? <laughs> how about just right at sundown? You know. There you go. Just to bring bring your levels down a little bit, your serotonin or whatever the hell it's called, bring it down. Yeah, put away the cell phone and put on some dark side. I like the name too. Pillow. Yeah, and it and it, yeah. it describes the music. It's dark. Both sides. Yep. <laughs> Dark. So that's the album Psychic by Darkside. Came out in 2013. It's available in all the usual places. Uh, check it out if you're so inclined. I don't think you'd be disappointed. Well, 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 Andy. That was some interesting stuff. Uh, that's all right. right. So tell <laughs> us what you think of these records and what you would recommend. You can write to us at podcast at albumnerds.com. That's right. Uh, do a solid and subscribe to the show or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That'd be awesome. Uh, don't forget to follow The Dude and our Album Nerds account on Instagram and the Twitter. We'd appreciate it. Yeah, and uh, don't forget that uh, you can find us on Spotify now because we are big time. So uh, 
yeah, yeah that's it just search for album nerds and you'll you'll find us you'll, and listen to this. <laughs> you'll find our playlist you can find playlists on on spotify but also the show and that's pretty awesome so thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time on the album nerds podcast Mwah. see you later Correctly, is there like a hidden part towards the end of that? Yeah, so you, you are right, and that also reminds me of the 90s because that was one of my favorite parts on CDs is see if there's a hidden track or something. Yeah, it was like a little surprise, like at the, at the bottom of the cereal box or something. It was like.